Our next speaker is a man named Jim Doman. Jim has an amazing testimony of God's work in his life. And I don't want to steal his thunder, uh, but I can say that he would end up receiving his master's degree in divinity and pastor at a church called Rose Drive Friends Church. He would pastor there for six years. Uh, Jim is now working with pastors statewide with California Family Council, promoting respect for life, family, and religious liberty. Jim is married uh, to his wife, Amanda, whom he regards as God's gift from heaven. Their story aired on ABC Family on June 21st of 2011, and I do believe he will be sharing with us out of his testimony. Jim is uniquely qualified to address the topic of uh, homosexuality. And so, Jim, without further ado, thank you for being here with us today. Let's welcome Jim. Thanks, Carlos. Well, it's great to be here uh, this afternoon. And I looked at your agenda. What great topics you guys are going over. And, I mean, really serious, too. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world today, and it's great to see the body of Christ being at least informed and uh, knowing what's uh, going on. Sounds like you're going to have some really fun tacos, too, but I don't have one of those. I might get kind of hungry, you know? No, thank you for giving me yours. Actually, um, we're getting our daughter uh, dedicated uh, tomorrow, and so my folks have flown from Texas. Amanda's from uh, Arizona, so we're going to be... uh, uh, doing that tomorrow, so we'll probably spend some time uh, with them. So as I get started here, uh, I'm going to mention, I'll talk about real quickly what I do for a living. I'm a pastor, um, uh, and I work with California Family Council. As Carlos shared, we promote, uh, in California public policy, life, family, religious liberty. Life is anything dealing with uh, natural conception or conception to natural death. And why is this so important? Obviously, you know, we're a pro-life organization. We're going to want to promote that biblical worldview and public policy. And these issues obviously face not only our state, but our nation. And one that we don't hear much of is like death on, for the elderly and disabled. And there's actually a bill right now, the governor's desk, that we're hoping he vetoes, but it would allow on the life issue for someone who's been diagnosed terminally ill to take their life. No accountability. There's no, there's no accountability with the doctors, the person, and I'm not, I don't even have time to unpack that because that's what I'm talking about today, but if you think of it Monday, call the governor's office, please, and uh, ask them to veto that bill. We want to protect the elderly, the sick, the infirm, and the disabled because to euthanize someone, it costs about $100. And if you know as a medical costs continue to keep going um, up and up, it's uh, pretty... Uh, you know, why should we pay three, 4000 a month when we're not going to cover that, but we'll cover the pills and do that. Uh, family is, it's Assembly Bill X215. Yes, and, but if you just call and mention physician-assisted suicide and ask him to veto, the governor's office is very aware, aware of the bill. Family, anything to deal with the family, parental rights. So we want to protect parents that, you should have the right what your, ch- what your children hear, see, or taught. It's your right, not the government's. And that's just an example of that. And religious liberty, um, that's continuing to be an issue in our state and country as business owners are being targeted. Chick-fil-A, for example, is one we all know that because they uphold the biblical worldview of man-woman marriage. So some of the stuff that I get to do um, is very re- uh, near and dear to my heart, and I think many of you. What I'm going to do is I'm speaking. I'm going to ask your help for something. I'm going to pass around a petition, and this petition is called Privacy for All. And if you're unaware, the state of California has passed a law. It is legal now that any child, K through 12, kindergarten through 12th grade, a boy can use the girl's bathroom, use the girl's changing room, use the girl's shower room. He's protected by California state law, and there's no regulation. It's actually more liberal than, the, than San Francisco's unified school district, because San Francisco at least states you have to d- identify your gender at the beginning of the year. This law doesn't even state that. So if I'm feeling a little, little feminine today, sure, I can go use the girl's shower room, a locker room. And I'm protected, not our daughters, not our young ladies, not our women. 
this petition will at least get it on the ballot. It's literally, it's insanity, really, that we even have to do this. But that state law, and this would, this would help change, stop that law, and ch- allow it that even in government buildings, that ladies, young ladies, our daughters, would, not, would be also be protected from men using the facilities. So I'm going to pass this around. My wife is over here, Amanda, and if it, she'll kind of make sure the boards keep going back. But there's a couple of things I just want to educate you with. One is San Bernardino County. One is Riverside. Make sure you sign the right petition in the county in which you're registered to vote. You have to be 18 or older to sign. If your county's not on here, you can go to the back table to my left. You're right in the corner, and you can sign for your county. But I want to pass this through, and if you're registered to vote, please sign it. Um, It would put it on the ballot in November of 2016. We need to get hundreds of thousands of signatures and would really love you to be a part of that. So it's a little bit what I get to do in policy. Babe, if you could start that, that would be great. I'm going to make a quick little uh, connection because I've also heard Christians tell me, but Jim, wait a minute, separation between church and state and the, go- the government or the church has nothing to do with, should have nothing to do with policy or anything like that. Or, you know, and I just sit here and go, what Bible are you reading? Really? What scripture, what word of God are you reading that would lead you to believe that? Has any of you ever heard of the Joseph from Genesis? He, the, the Pharaoh sought counsel. He saved not only the Israelites and the Hebrews, but he saved the, the, the Egyptians at the time because famine came and God told them in dreams and they stored up and he literally saved the population of the world because he followed God. Now the Pharaoh wasn't godly, but he sought a godly man for counsel and literally saved the world at that time. Look at Esther for such a time as this. She interceded with the king and saved the Israelites. Ever hear of Daniel? Or remember as a little kid, if you were in Sunday school, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's all in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. The king passed decrees, you must bow down and worship me. And they said, no, we'll even die for that. They were going to die. And God intervened. And we see story upon story that godly people influencing the culture. And so I just want to be an encouragement is where God has called me to, because with my passions of not only God's kingdom, but how can we influence our culture and do um, both of that. So that's what I get to do a little bit with California Family Council and uh, really enjoy that. So now I'm going to share my story that aired. Morning, I got up, no money, 
and I was trying to figure out, well, I might, my memory gym membership hadn't been canceled, so I went to the gym to work out. And so I thought, as I was walking to the car, there were five dollars laying on the sidewalk, and I bent over, picked it up, and the Lord spoke ever so eloquent, eloquently to me. He said, Jim, I took care of the Israelites in the desert, and I'll take care of you in yours. You know, but then there's still, there was this battle for, you know, I just, I still have these issues, um, same-sex attraction, some call it, and I really didn't want to go back. In my mind, I said, as soon as I get back on my feet, I'm going to go right back to being a homosexual, because this is who I am, and the reality of it is, is it wasn't who I am. My sin is not my identity. My behavior is not my identity. My identity is in God and in Jesus Christ. If God started healing me and of that spectrum and bringing me over to healthy heterosexuality, what he pointed out to me was my desire, my need to connect with men, with truth, that was correct. But doing it in sexual behavior was destructive and not healthy heterosexuality. I was seeking masculinity but in unhealthy ways. And hanging around healthy heterosexual men really teaching me on, 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 on what it is to be a true man, the true masculinity. The story how I met uh, my wife is kind of a, it's a fun story. Uh, I went to uh, Azusa Pacific University, uh, Haggard Graduate School of Theology, to get my Master of Divinity. I remember uh, HU by mistake had mailed my diploma to the wrong address. And uh, I went to uh, pick it up, drove to APU, walked into the office, and uh, this beautiful woman comes walking by who shouldn't have been there. She's the manager of the office, and her office is in the back. But it was a divine appointment, and she, I, I said, I'm going to get my diploma. So she gave it to me, and she said, go ahead and take it out and read it. So I pulled it out and read it, and I said, wow, this is such a miracle. I said, I've come out of a homosexual lifestyle. I'm now a pastor a recorded friends pastor. I just finished my Master of Divinity, my degree, and I just bought a home. And she looked at me square and she said, it sounds like God is just so me with the locusting. And Jim was, I found out later, testified that because it was from, uh, from Joel. And I didn't really know what I was quoting at the time, but I knew that God had really changed Jim. And uh, so I just, was thinking, wow, here's a guy who's got his degree, he's got a house, he's got a good job, and he's cute. <laughs> and he and it just really made an impression on me. And, and so when he left that uh, that afternoon, I had I had a sense because we girls tend to know these things that he was going to ask me out later. As we kept conversing, I just saw Jesus burning in her eyes, and I'm like, I have to know this woman. I want to get to know her. So I got her number. First question he asked me was, Well, are you married? said, no, I'm not married, and said something like, I'm, I'm dating and, and I'm wanting to get to know people, so we went out for coffee and just really clicked, and I started to see the big values that we had in life in common, that we both wanted to have a family, that we both had a love for the ministry of God, and just every time we talked, I just knew that God was doing the work there. We got married, and we've been married uh, in, in July 2009, so it's been a so it's, uh, it's been an amazing journey, and it's, uh, it's my wife, Amanda, who's back there. Hi, babe. Uh, and then our daughter, Aliyah, that was, she was eight months old. And uh, Aliyah, in Hebrew, it's pronounced Aliyah, but it's, uh, her name means rising up or ascending to God. So um, the Lord's really uh, blessed us, and uh, uh, I know I've seen that video a bunch of times, but in, at the end, there'll be links to all of this, and you can, uh, if you need to watch it again or can share it with someone, that'd be helpful, that'd be great. Um, yeah, God's restoration is just amazing, it's incredible, and uh, uh, it's really just been an incredible journey, and it's a little bit on the outline, I think you guys have an outline in your packet, and I'm going to try to follow that, and I'll share a little bit of our, my story, our story, and uh, <clears throat> Go talk a little bit about the whole ex-gay thing, some statistics, God and the Bible, what it says about homosexuality, and I'll mention a little bit about lesbianism, bisexual, and transgender issues, but it'll primarily be focused on same-sex attraction, homosexuality with men, a little bit church and Christian response, and uh, some resources. But if you have your Bibles, if you don't, you can write this down or look on your um, digital devices. I'm going to read something from you from Second Timothy 4, or read something to you 
from 2 Timothy 4. And I was sharing, oh, how did I get here today? Let me tell you, this This is kind of fun. So I met Mike Berry, and I had to ask him because we met back in 2008. And uh, I'll tell you a fun little story as you're looking up 2 Timothy 4. So I meet Amanda, we go on a couple dates, and on the fourth date, we got media coverage. And I'm going to come back to that in a second. But I generally, um, well, I'll come back to that in a second. So how did I meet Mike? So on, this, on the steps of the uh, Los Angeles City Hall in downtown LA, and there's a huge Prop 8 rally. If you recall, Prop 8 um, was to, we're trying to pass, and we did successfully. We changed California's constitution that defines marriage between only, it was only valid or recognized between a man and a woman. Article 1, Section 7.5 in California's constitution. So I'm on the steps, I get up there and I share, I share my story and Chris Tomlin's song, I think Chris Tomlin sang it, God of the City. They, they had just sang that, sang that and then I go up and I've never spoken to a crowd of probably about 5,000 people. Mind you, the news didn't show that. They showed a couple, you know, yes on Prop 8 and all these people no on Prop 8 protesting. I'm like, there were thousands and thousands of people there. Anyway, it was just unbelievable. That, but that's how I met Mike. And we've kind of kept in touch, and he said he was doing this event, wanted me to come here. So that's how I got here. Now back to my wife. So Prop 8, uh, date number four, I said, hey, do you want to go to the Prop 8 victory party? And she's like, sure. And I bring my roommates. They're meeting Amanda for the first time, and they announce we won. So I jump up like this, okay? And all of a sudden, you know what paparazzi do? Literally, Amanda was next to me. My roommate was next to me. And it's just pictures galore. And then we all grabbed hands, we bowed our heads, and we prayed, and we just thanked the Lord for really allowing the impossible to happen, specifically in California. And next day, we're in the LA Times, Orange County Register, Chicago Tribune, USA Today. It went as far as the United Kingdom, because I was getting hate mail from there. And, well, not just there, all over the nation. You know, my video, you can go read the kind, you know, ungodly comments people write when I share. And ironically, if you listen to my video... I only talk about what God and what Jesus has done to me. I don't condemn anyone. I just shared what what transformation has happened in my life. So Amanda and I, we're all excited. We're in the media and all where I'm like, this is great. This is great. Well, we start getting threats to our work. I was on staff at a church. They found out that Amanda worked at Azusa Pacific University and they were calling in and saying, we know where you live. We know where you work. We're going to come after you. We're going to come and get you. And we were getting calls, hate mail, hate email. It was unbelievable. I literally had to like unplug or turn off all of my social media stuff because from this people who call us intolerant, all this hate, and all we did was say, hey, we're excited. We're supporting marriage. Um, anyway, but she never faulted. She stuck through with me the whole time, which is originally kind of uh, was like one of, the, again, one of these keepers. And I'm like, you know, Lord, I think you brought the, this incredible woman to me. So I mentioned in my uh, video, behavior versus identity. So generally what I hear from people, someone who's struggling with same-sex attraction, also known as SSA, same-sex attraction, um, at one point come out or whatever, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's your son or daughter, they say, I'm gay. Let me just share, let me unpack that a little bit, that you may not... um, want to share this with them, but just something to kind of tuck under you that someone's behavior isn't their identity. Now think about it. Why aren't heterosexuals running around saying, I'm a heterosexual? Hear me roar. Think about that. Because it's, it's, it's almost like they're trying to believe something that isn't true, but making it, this is who I am. And it's all about, you know, I'm gay. And for the church, I, there's, a, there's a phrase that is really not helpful. As someone, you know, you may think, okay, well, I love you, but I hate your sin. But someone who's struggling with, their, with same-sex attraction has a really difficult time separating the, uh, the behavior and the attraction from their identity. So that line, the reason I have a line through it, that's not a good phrase to tell someone. Because what they hear is that you hate them. Although you may know the truth behind that or what you're trying to convey, that's not what's communicated. And what's, again, so what's real important is to understand that someone's behavior isn't their identity. Now, someone's also telling you they're lesbian or gay. This probably isn't the time to have that conversation with them. 
but to journey and to walk with life with them. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in detail uh, when we get under the Christian response. I do want to talk about a couple of things is... Um, to again to reiterate, it's one dimensions of it's one dimension of a person's life. Your sexuality. It's not who you are. And I didn't realize that until I when I came out of the lifestyle. My parents invited me back home, and that's a whole another long story. But I didn't want to go home. But my dad, when I moved, because I lost everything, I would be homeless otherwise. After about a week or two, my dad said. All you do is talk about everything is gay, he's gay, he's straight, she's lesbian, she's a dyke, all these kinds of stuff. All you talk about is all this language in this community. I didn't even know I was doing it. And it literally, it's like I got hit by the proverbial two-by-four, and I was like, that's all I talk about. Is everything in my mind was based on sex and sex only. And it really kind of helped speak some truth to what was going on. So it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. That's only one aspect of someone's whole being. And then the issue of causes comes up. You know, the world says it's genetic. You were born that way. Well, time out. Wait a minute. There is no scientific proof. There is no gene. There is no genome project that has said there is a gay gene and this is who you are. Nowhere. Many times, uh, same-sex attraction can result from abuse, emotional, specifically even sexual abuse. But just because you were sexually abused does not mean you're going to end up being GLBT, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. I wasn't physically sexually abused, nor emotionally, yet I still had same-sex attraction. Came from a healthy, biblical, worldview-based family, grew up in the church, knowing right and wrong, but I never connected with my father. And that kind of brings you to the next thing is the environment. And it's, I believe it's environmental and developmental. Not only do I believe that, but psychology, healthy psychology, proves that and shows that. And that really, that when I went to counseling starting at the age of 16, that helped me understand the, the root causes and my disconnect with my own father. And again, that kind of ends in roots in early childhood, back to early childhood development. That I never, my dad was an L.A. County Sheriff, my mom a librarian, but my dad connected with my brother and not me. He was athletic, he did sports. Now granted, later in life, I did, I've done Iron Man and I'm pretty athletic and, I don't know, older in life, but that took a long time to get there. Um, actually, you know, and part of my, this is a fun story too, I was afraid to catch a ball, even as a grown man. And a buddy of mine literally said, okay, we're going to play catch without a, without a glove and I'm going to throw the ball and have it hit you. You know, I had another body around. It's funny, but I never had that. And that disconnect and how that healed what, when I was trying to connect with men and things that never took place in my life, God was able to restore. I had another buddy that came alongside of me and said, Jim, I'm going to tell you how to date. I'm like, what? You know, go out with the girl, get, you know, and get told no. He'd go, you know, pick up your skirt, hit it again kind of a thing. And he goes, go, he said, no, go back out and do this. And did you kiss her? I'm like, what? He goes, did you kiss her? And he kind of helped coach me. And it was this healthy correction of things that never took place as a young man. Um, anyway, so these, these issues in early development that I did not connect with my dad or other men or young men for that matter, I had this void. And as you heard in the video, it try, you try to step out and see, fill that void physically, sexually with the member of your same sex to try to correct what was legitimately necessary but never met in a healthy way. I want to talk a little bit about statistics because I think this is kind of uh, uh, mind-blowing. I know there's no Q&A, but you can yell out. Any, any thoughts on what's the percentage of the GLBT population in the United States? 3%, 2%. What else? 8%, 10%, 15%. Any higher, 15 Okay, 10%. Someone back here wanted to say something? Anything higher than that? You, what? 1%. Okay, I'm glad there's some talk. And actually, I'm impressed how low your numbers are. Because Gallup did a poll, and when they polled Americans, Americans believe 25% of the U.S. population is GLBT. 
That means one out of every four people. So we start going one, two, three, four. Okay, one, two, three, four. So 25%, this whole section in here is GLBT. That's what Americans believe. When in reality, the total GB, GLBT population, and I think this number is high, is 3.8%. 3.8%. And I'm going to cite the source. UCLA School of Law, April 2011. You can go Google it. You can find the study. That was their study of the GLBT population. But the media and others have convinced the rest of Americans, you're a pretty equipped congregation, you can thank your leadership for, uh, or, or just you being involved in culture, really what the truth is. And with, of that 3.8%, um, 3 the gay lesbian population <clears throat> is 1.7%. Bisexual, um, and actually, I think I... I, that's a typo, my, forgive me, it's a typo. The gay population is 1.7%. The bisexual lesbian population is 1.8%. And the reason why that's a little bit higher is there's more lesbians that are bisexual than men. Transgender is 0.3%. Not even a half a percent. Hear me, I'm going to repeat that again. 0.3% of uh, U.S. population. That means not even out of 100, there's one transgender person. You need 300, every 300 people, according to the study, that there is one. Again, back to the petition I'm passing around to have you all sign, is to, theoretically, that was to protect the transgender population, but what about all the rest of the, our young ladies? Even our, our young men and boys, if there were girls, you know, changing, showering, using the facilities with boys. Um, anyway, it just, it's really kind of crazy. Questioning, um, the term is primarily LGBT. Sometimes there's a Q, and Q can be queer or questioning. Now, questioning, there's no stats on who's questioning their sexuality, but they just kind of include that as part of that acronym. And the queer part, it depends really in context. If it's, you're using it in a derogatory way, there is a show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guys. So it really depends in context. I wouldn't recommend using the word queer, but that's also the community, what they choose to call themselves. And so, but again, I also believe it's in context if you're concerned about using that word or not. And then California Domestic Partnerships. Um, this statistic is from the U.S. Census in 2010. And that percentage is 0.7% of California's population has, is in a domestic partnership, which would mean uh, two homosexual men, two lesbian women, and that type of a relationship. And I just wanted, the reason why I wanted to go over that first is so you can kind of understanding of where, kind of where things lie. So what, is the God, what does God and the Bible have to say? We see in Scripture that full sexual expression takes place within the context of marriage. Man, woman, marriage. Um, that's it. There's no, other, there's no other permissible way to express sexual behavior. Um, and anything beyond that, it's celibacy outside of marriage. That is... Um, just throughout scripture. God in the Bible, okay, created in the image of God, Genesis 1.27. Why did I have that? Well, a lot of times transgender, and I'll ask the question, I'll let you think about it. We've heard in the news recently with um, Bruce Jenner. So what do you do if someone's transgender? How do you respond to them? Um, we go back to scripture. God created man and woman in his image. It's good theology, bio biology. But in the state of California, you can also change your birth certificate. Legally, if you were born a male and you want to become female, you can legally change it that you were technically born a female, although biologically you were a male. And I'll go with records and things as such. And kind of my, and since we're on uh, talking about creating God's image, my... Uh, uh, and on your outline, I've got scripture verses there as well for you. Um, 
is that we want to bring people to truth and what that is, what that looks like, and we want to point them to that, but then also know how to love them where they are at. So someone's a transgender individual and they're sharing that, let's say they were born a male and they're expressing female, love them where they're at, but walk with them and point them towards truth. But that doesn't happen in 10 minutes, five minutes, overnight. Generally, that's going to be a process. We, we see throughout Scripture, and I cited some uh, regarding uh, marriage, Genesis 2, 24 through 25, that's on your outline, and Matthew, Mark, Ephesians, and Revelation. We continue to see that. Song of Solomon, the book, talks about marriage. Not only marriage, but courtship, dating courtship and marriage with two sex scenes. Two sex scenes are in the Bible between a man and a woman. Um, Romans 1, 18 through 27 is very, very clear about, and I'm not going to read that or unpack that right now, but it's very clear about what a culture, and actually a Biola prof, um, Dr. Walt Russell gave me this insight with that passage. I've known about it, and it's a great passage to describe what's unnatural. You know, when women and men give up unnatural relationships and exchange it for truth for a lie and, and um, have unnatural relationships with their own gender is Dr. Russell helped me see that that's literally it's like the prescription for a, a moral decay of a society. And at the top of that verse, it talks about God and how his eternal attributes and qualities are declared in the heavens and the earth. And when people continue not to believe that and how they continue to become more and more debased further away from God, this is the consequences. And we're literally seeing that happen in front of our eyes in our culture. Um, let's see, Romans. Oh, I just talked about that. Colossians and 1 Corinthians. I tell you what I love about um, the Colossians 3, 5 is it talks about, lists some of the sins. Specifically in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, there's a whole litany of sins. Homosexuality is also listed. You can go back and read this passage, but in verse 11, you can add there, I only went 9 through 10, but in verse 11, Paul, the apostle Paul says, but that's what some of you were, but you were cleansed, you were washed by the blood of Jesus. And it's just, I love that, that if we bring people the truth, we can set them free. Another thing that, so I'm kind of looking at the God in the Bible, like, you know, obviously it's the word of God, uh, the inerrant word of God, and this is what we follow and believe. But I'll have the culture and pastors and say, or churches will change doctrine and allow this and go, the Bible doesn't talk about man-woman marriage or it doesn't mention homosexuality. I had a liberal, uh, probably unitera, unitera, um, universalist, I don't know, a, during Prop 8, I had, she claimed to be a pastor. And she, I asked her, how can you vote or support no on Prop 8 when scripture is clear? She goes, scripture doesn't mention homosexuality. I was like, What? Okay, what Bible are you reading? But then there's a lot of debate, and I've even known, you know, godly people and have these conversations they claim to be, and they say, wait a minute. You know, this really, well, did Paul really say that? Did Paul really mean what he was writing? I'm like, it's clear, it's clear as day. So then what I want to say, okay, if you have an issue with verse upon verse and line upon line and chapter upon chapter, book upon book, let's look at the whole biblical narrative. Genesis, in the beginning, God created Adam and Steve. Wait a minute. No. Adam and Eve. He birthed the population through who? A man and a woman. Abraham and Sarah. He birthed the nation of Israel through two lesbians who went and got IVF? Individual fertilization? No. It was a man and a woman. I already mentioned Song of Solomon. Dating, courtship, marriage, sex scenes. And then we even see a story of a godly man, a prophet, Hosea, and Gomer, a prostitute, and God says, go redeem this woman. And he marries her, and she even goes and cheats on him. You see this adulterous relationship, and yet God shows this heart of redemption between a man and a woman marriage. Again, we, I mentioned earlier, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some great you know, heroes of faith that stood up. Well, John the Baptist. Oh, but Jim, we can't have anything to do with the culture. John the Baptist called out King Herod and said, the woman you're sleeping with is not your wife. You're committing adultery. And you know what? It cost him his head. Literally, he was beheaded. But he wasn't afraid to speak the truth. And that was, again, a man-woman marriage issue. And then what happens in Revelation? 
Well, even let me back up before Revelation, the picture of the bride. The church is the bride and Christ is the groom. The Bible starts with the man-woman marriage and ends with a man-woman marriage or that picture, that analogy of Christ being the groom and the church being the bride. Nowhere in scripture, anywhere, does it deviate from that. So the church response. When I'm talking about church, I'm talking about more the organization, the, um, like your church, more of kind of church with a capital C, not necessarily uh, uh, the individuals. And my encouragement is to keep a biblical worldview of marriage and with gender identity. What does that mean? You go by what God's word said. Now, in our culture, the Bible doesn't mean anything. And law, and, you know, it's kind of, I've learned on this along the way in policy with law, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. You have to have a policy that states this is what we believe. And I've given some information to your pastors here about that. Uh, we work with Alliance Defending Freedom. Oh, on a side note, I forgot to mention we also work with, we're in association with Focus on the Family. I'm sure you're all familiar with that organization. We're their policy group for the state of California and um, uh, Family Research Council, which is in Washington, D.C., and they deal with national policy issues as we deal with at the state level. Church, um, corporate, the truth, but love to homosexuals, GLBTQ community. Um, what does that mean? Jesus was a great role model of this. And what did Jesus do? He loved the sinners, but also called them out on their sin. But he did it in grace and truth. And I think that's important if we do that to those struggling with same-sex attraction. But also, as Carlos said, although I'm focusing on homosexuality today, I don't know what all your sin issues are, but I hope you're all treated equally with that. And I do say, I have some people say, well, why is it so different? Well, Scripture talks about that. It's not biologically natural for two men to unite or two women to unite. And sometimes people feel a little uncomfortable and say, oh, this sin issue might be treated a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, not even talking from a biblical worldview, just from science, which science was created by God, but just if you look at it from science or other areas of academic academia, it's not a natural, even anatomically, you're not created that way. So how can the more ways the church can help? With me personally, men's group, it was important for me to get connected to a men's group, to participate in men's retreat. I needed healthy, healthy heterosexual male friendships and relationships. But also it was like, well, okay, you put someone struggling with same-sex attraction with another man in a room if you're in a hotel or wherever. You know what? You do a rule of three. You put three people in a room and and, and you help teach and instruct and walk with uh, those dealing with same-sex uh, attraction and bring them into activities. Kind of that little baseball thing I told there, um, earlier. Oop, I, must have, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm not touching anything. Maybe I... Let's see, let's go back. Here we go. Okay. So I mentioned a little bit about bisexual, transgender, bisexual issues. If someone's dealing with that, I always encourage the church to focus on their, how they were born, male or female, and help bring them into right relationship with what would be the opposite gender. And transgender, I've already mentioned that a little bit. Um, at the end of this, um, I've got some refer, you can refer to organizations and counseling very much. I'd really encourage that because these issues, I think, are a little bit more complicated than some other sin issues. And the most important thing I think is possible to keep in your mind, that change is possible. And this is a, our, we just celebrated six years of marriage. Uh, that was back in July. I'm like, I'm almost wearing the same thing, but not quite. And then, uh, uh, my shirt's different. Anyway, um, and then that's a lie a couple weeks ago. Amanda's a semi-professional musician. She was playing oboe, and uh, Daddy had to get her ready for church. So anyway, I was like all proud of myself. I'm like, okay, the pigtails are a little screwed up. But anyway, um, I did my best. I'm like, babe, how do you do this kind of stuff? Anyway, that's why she's a mommy and I'm the daddy. Um, Christian response, what can we do? How can we be like Jesus in grace and truth? I mentioned that already as a church, but the woman caught at the well, uh, the woman at the well got called out. She's adultery like five times. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. The woman that was in the act of adultery and got thrown out in front of the religious leaders. 
And Jesus goes and starts writing in the sand. You know why she got thrown to the ground? There, she's going to get stoned. That was a st- an offense punishable by stoning. And I bet you she was, might even been naked because they got her in the act and threw her out there. And Jesus started writing in the sand. Now, Scripture, the text doesn't say what he was writing. I tend to believe he was writing the sins of the accusers that were going to start throwing rocks. And what happened? They all dropped their rocks and they left. And Jesus told her, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. And it's like, how do we have that heart like that to uh, continue to, to be grace and truth just like Jesus? Um, truth and love to homosexuals. It's the second time I mentioned that because it's that important. Love needs to be there. It's not all about love. You've got to have truth with that. And there's consequences to sin and other issues. But we as individuals really need to be truth bearers. And that also means if you are on a board, if you're in a leadership position in the public sector or private sector or church, nonprofit, be bold and courageous, have moral courage and stand up for what's right. A Christian friend of mine is on a board, a national board, and she goes, well, this topic came up and I didn't say anything. And I just, I was shocked. I was really shocked. And I need to actually, I'm confessing this to you, I need to go back to and, and talk to her about that because I believe we have to hold one another accountable. That I think that's really the wrong approach to sit and be silent. But that we do need to take a stand. Uh, continue to keep and develop relationships. Um, those in the community need to know the love of Christ. And if you don't develop or, or are friends with them, then how are they ever going to know the truth? When I was in the lifestyle I had friends that would not come visit me. Two friends that lived in Oregon drove down and visited me. That was the only Christ I saw when I was in the lifestyle during those three years. The only two. I had a friend say, you're not welcome to stay in our home. I was by myself. You can't stay with us. You can't do this. We can't have anything to do with you. I'm like, okay, wow. And these are Christians. But my two Christian friends that were in Oregon, they visited me. And you know what? When I came back to the Lord, guess who I called? The person that said they wanted nothing to do with me? No. I called my friends in Oregon and said, hey, look, I'm still a homosexual. But what I was doing is I was crying out to them, you better start praying for me because God's doing an moving work. And I told them what had happened. And look where I am today. Praise the Lord. Healthy masculinity. Um, I'm focusing on that. Girls, uh, this is kind of to you, and you can probably do the converse with uh, women, but we'll look at it from my perspective. You may have a gay friend that loves to shop and can, you know, great clothing advice and all that, but you want to know what? That doesn't help his brokenness. It feeds into it and supports it. Be a truth bearer. It may be fun to have a gay friend and do all this and he can give you great clothing advice and all that, but that doesn't, you know, it'd be better to say, you know, maybe how do you have some guy friends you could share that you've got a gay friend that they need to, you know, would you be willing to come love on this guy? Invite him and incorporate him and teach him the love of Christ, what healthy masculinity looks like. Um, Christian response, same-sex attraction in the lifestyle. They're kind of dramatically different, and I sure that is, ask someone, are you just struggling with your sexual? Is this a temptation, or are you actively participating in that? And don't be afraid to ask that. Are you struggling with, what, with your sexual attraction, or are you in the lifestyle? Because you're going to want to respond differently. Also, if it's someone at the church and or someone in uh, leadership, you know, it's, you want to see where their heart's at and de- determine that and seek counsel where to go next. I um, actually, I'm, because of time, I might, uh, I don't know if I got time to show this little video promo, but I think I can do it pretty quickly. Yeah, I can do it. I'm going to show you this video. Um, I'll show, it's a free app. I'll put that screen up in a minute. It was a promo we did, but this app has other stories. It's got a brief uh, talk of myself, two other men, a young man, a millennial that is dealing with same-sex attraction, one that has been struggling for almost his entire life, came to know the Lord, and he's part of my story as well. Um, God sent him when I had no money. Remember that $5 that first day I found on the sidewalk when I went to Denny's? Uh, or that's where I went to Denny's. The next day, he sh- this, the guy, the older man, the, the hairstylist in here, he showed up the next day. And I'm like, again, I have no money. What am I going to do? He shows up and took me and, paid, bought, and bought my breakfast for that next morning and how God kept doing miracles. But this is just a couple of stories. And the app has more stories like this. It has stories of a uh, former lesbian and talking points in greater detail if you choose to 
uh, want to get some more secular talking points as well as biblical. But we call this ripple effects. So there's a bunch of us out there, and uh, Richard, I'm just going to say he shouldn't be alive today. You'll have to watch his story if you want to see that online, but God does incredible work, so I was really wanted to have a former lesbian on there, but the timing didn't work. Um, family response, parents, I think it's very dramatic and difficult to hear if your son or daughter tells you they're GLBT. Um, it's really dramatic, um, and I'll, I'll have a... A, uh, at the end, also um, places you can go for help uh, as well. Uh, siblings, you want to come along. I actually think my parents knew from when I was struggling with it in uh, in high school. I had told them my youth pastor recommended that I share it with them. It was pretty. That was a difficult conversation. My sister freaked out and cried on the phone. I was in, she was in a, I was in another state I think at the time or another area. Um, extended family, it, has an, it really impacts the whole family, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and holidays, and partners, and it's really, um, I don't, I'll talk about that, if you've got a GLBT family member, and they're saying, hey, that's a per case by per case basis, there's no easy answer, but I would recommend seeking counsel from your pastor, from others, and uh, what I will say, because I don't like to tell people what to do, that you really need to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit, read the word with your with your uh, spouse. and But with what I loved about my parents, they maintained very strict boundaries. And they told me that my partner was not allowed to come to events and things because, you know, that was what that was the boundary. Now, I ranted and raved. I said, how dare you call yourself Christians? And how, and I, I just literally had to walk on eggshells around me because I was so volatile. And part of that was, looking back, I'm so grateful that they had those boundaries. So when I did come back to the Lord, when God called me back, I had a safe home and a family environment to go to, and I knew what was right and wrong. Where I've had other families that haven't done that. And I'm, and I'm not saying that's going to make your GLBT individual c- come back like where I have or get married or all that. I'm not prescribing that. But I just think healthy boundaries of what's right and, and, and wrong is really appropriate. So I asked this um, kind of this real life question, you know, trans- on the transgender issue, uh, is it Bruce or Caitlin? Um, because it's become such a, I'd say, national thing. Uh, any response? Do we call him Bruce or do we call her Caitlin? Okay, here maybe one or two Caitlins. Rest of you, Bruce. Absolutely, Bruce. Now, if he's, if you're like in relationship and they can't get past that, love them where they're at. But because it's such a national thing, it's just I'm, I'm going to speak truth to the culture because it's a macro issue and you know, we're not dealing with the individual. But on the micro, it's okay if, if that's what they believe. You want to help them realize what their healthy, natural identity is. 
So what I also wanted to uh, kind of kind of have this other real life question. I know we won't have a lot of time for Q and A, but oh, I went too far. So let me do this again. So if you owned a printing company, would you print porn? I heard one no. So you know what a printing company does? You print magazines, you do that. If you owned a printing company, if someone came to you and said, you own this company, I want you to print porn. And you said, as a business owner, I refuse to print porn. Not only is it immoral, it's debauchery, it's wrong, it contributes to human trafficking, and I am morally completely opposed to that. That's a whole other great talk. Sean McDowell does on pornography and the connections and things with human trafficking and how that industry supports that. So you're going to stand up what's morally right and say, no, we won't print it. So should you get sued and they'd be fined? Because there's companies around the United States that say, I won't, as a pastor, I will not perform a gay wedding. But that's not who they're coming after right now. They're coming after photographers, bakers, florists, individuals, companies, and targeting them. Chick-fil-A can't even go into Denver International Airport. Why? Because their CEO said, we, we believe in man-woman marriage. So now, wait a minute, what's the difference? It's their sin issues, but yet it's accepted in the culture. And here's another thing, if you haven't thought about, would you attend a gay wedding? And this makes for great, um, great fodder and discussion. Um, I'm not going to give you an answer on that, but I'm going to share what I've heard people share of what they would do. Some say yes. Okay, do you want to support, you know, this what we call a holy matrimony that's really between God and them and the two becoming one flesh? I'm not sure how you can connect with that, but okay. Then, you know, some say I won't go to the wedding, but I'll go to the reception. You know, it's, it's a potential option to do that. Um, I'm kind of running out of time, so I'm going to wrap up with some resources for you. Um, DesertStreamMinistries.org. I went through their program. It's global. They're in almost probably, I'd say, at least in all the counties here in Southern California. So if you are struggling with same-sex attraction or know someone that wants to change, you can uh, check out their ministry. They have a ministry called Cross Current. It's a two-month program. And Living Waters, which is 30 weeks. Comingoutagain.com is out of Calvary Chapel, um, Costa Mesa. If you, that's for same-sex attraction. Livingstonesministry.org is a ministry primarily for parents, but family members or loved ones who are in the lifestyle and they'd like a support group. They're based in, uh, here in Southern California. A great uh, material also to go through is Steps to Freedom in Christ, which is at FICM.org Ministries. Um, some of my information, uh, you can, my video on audio testimonies and some different more in depth, uh, if you want to hear that, are available on my website, jimdoman.com. Californiafamily.org is the organization that I uh, work for. I wanted to share as I'm wrapping up here, on the back table in the back, I said we're in association with Focus on the Family. Focus on the Family puts out a magazine called Citizen. You're welcome to grab that. Um, I raise my own support. So if you feel called or you'd like to support my ministry or be a part of that, there's a card you can fill out. You can give that to me or my wife. We have a little prayer magnet. If you want to think of us and pray uh, for what's going on in the culture and things, you can uh, come to the back table and do that. And hopefully the uh, petition made its way around. And uh, uh, thank you for having me here today. And I think I'm going to let you close in prayer. But my name is Jim Doman, and I want the world to know I live for the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you.